Hello, Vitality Explorers. Dr. Alan Mishra with another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. Our goal, our purpose with the podcast, as always, is to enhance or optimize vitality one person at a time. Let's start with a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald, obviously the writer of The Great Gatsby. And here's the quote. Vitality shows in not only the ability to persist, but the ability to start over. Vitality shows in not only the ability to persist, but also the ability to start over. So the Hemingway shortened version of that would be vitality is both the ability to persist and start over. I think that's really important for us to think about. So vitality obviously encompasses a lot of different things. We have defined it previously as purposeful, energetic, and connected living. But I think it's also associated with persistence and the ability to push the reset button. So our goal, again, is to enhance your well-being using scientific posts uh, that are focused on physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. And this week, we're going to talk about three different things. Very excited to announce the Ignite Your Vitality webinar that's going to be done in conjunction with AARP on February 29th at noon Pacific time. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, We're also going to talk about the science of healthy living. This is a conference that I went to at Stanford, and I'm going to go over the details of that. And finally, is faith the new fountain of youth? All right, you can subscribe to Vitality Explorers on Substack to gain access to over 400 scientific posts and podcasts about how to live your most vital life. The focus, as always, with this material is to help all of us understand that vitality is a skill and vitality is a gift we can only give ourselves by taking ownership over our decisions. So let's start with this awesome thing that I'm so excited about. That's the Ignite Your Vitality webinar. I was approached by some people from AARP to work in conjunction with them. And that's the American Association of Retired Persons, by the way, uh, and do a webinar entitled uh, Want to Live a Vibrant Life? Ignite Your Vitality. Now, this is going to be on Thursday, February 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern and 12 noon Pacific. You can actually uh, look on the Vitality Explorer Substack site to get the link to that. Okay, Uh, You can also just go to VYText, V-E. V-Y-T-E-X-T backslash, uh, uh, excuse me, V-Y- V-Y-T-E-X-T dot com backslash A-A-R-P. I think the easiest way is to, is to look at a QR code, which will be embedded in the show notes here and do that. Okay. But the goal here again is to ignite your vitality. This is a, a very high-end talk that I've done for a variety of different organizations. I, I most recently gave part of this talk at a longevity meeting in Las Vegas, and I'm delighted to partner with AARP and co-host it. They're going to have a, a moderator. They're also going to have other people on, on the webinar. Uh, and here is what we're going to be talking about in terms of trying to ignite your vitality. We're going to, in about 20 or 30 minutes, go over some sort of uh, highlights of how to optimize your time, um, how to stockpile health, how to cultivate closeness, and how to pinpoint your peak purpose. You can think of this as like either the speed dating or sort of the cliff notes of the entire course that I like to do. And it's associated with a vitality vitality blueprint, which again has eight different parameters, time, purpose, sleep, closeness, discipline, fitness, hope, and service. And again, we're going to talk about the definition of vitality and then two or three things associated with this concept of being vital and are you a hero? All right. So 
If, you, if you're interested in this, again, I encourage you to go to the Vitality Explorer Substack site, look in the show notes underneath here. Uh, you can actually just probably Google it and find it, Ignite Your Vitality, AARP, uh, February 29th, noon Eastern, excuse me, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. The final part of the lecture we'll talk about uh, and the conference, excuse me, the webinar is, is going to be how to shift our mindsets to awesome and accept that epic call to an adventurous adventurous life. So if you have any questions about this or if you have any questions you'd like me to answer on the Ignite Your Vitality uh, webinar, which will be in two weeks, uh, then please post them below. All right. Um, we're going to move on to, to, to what I learned, which was a lot uh, when I went to this uh, Stanford Longevity Conference, uh, which was on February 8th, 2024. So this is brand new information, um, but it was focused on healthy aging uh, and the idea is not just applicable, and the webinar, by the way, is not just applicable to 50-plus-year-olds. It's applicable to people of any age. But the Stanford Center for Longevity hosted an awesome conference. Um, and what I want to share with you today is really just two of the outstanding speakers and what they were saying. And people may have heard of Dean Ornish or Dr. Dean Ornish. Uh, he created a lifestyle medicine program that has literally been proven to reverse heart disease. Now, a lot of people out there may think, oh, my God, I've got heart disease and I can't actually get rid of it or I can't get better or I need surgery or medicines. But his program, and you can look up uh, Dr. Ornish's uh, program on Ornish, O-R-N-I-S-H.com, Ornish.com. The program claims to have a 400% improvement in blood flow to the heart and a 46% increase in exercise capacity. And they focus on really four things. Number one, eating well. Number two, moving more. Number three, loving more. And number four, reducing stress. Now, this is pretty, pretty impressive. It's actually being covered by a variety of insurances now. So it's a lifestyle program. And that's a lot of what we talk about in, in, on Vitality Explorers. And the fascinating part about this is he's actually now doing a big study with this program uh, to help reverse early onset dementia. And without going into the details, I can tell you that I have seen firsthand the results in people that I, I know uh, who have been through his program, and they, it is quite remarkable. Now, Dr. Ornish is an accomplished person who has dedicated his life to helping other people. But what happened when he was talking literally staggered me during this conference. Okay, He stunned all of us when he started talking about his life when he was a 19-year-old college student. Okay, Now, uh, many people in that audience had heard of Dr. Ornish, they were comfortable or understood his work, but they didn't know his story. And I think his story is really is universally helpful for all of us. And that's why this work that we're doing with Vitality Explorers isn't just for people 50 plus. It's absolutely focused also on people who are 18 to 34 um, because of this particular story. I think it'd be helpful. So what he had at that stage, I think he was a sophomore in college. He had no confidence. He felt like an imposter and he fell into a deep despair. And then on top of that, he contracts mononucleosis. Now, fortunately, his parents intervened. They took him home. He took a little leave of absence from college, and they did their best to nurse him back to health. Again, he's telling us a story during this longevity conference at Stanford just a week ago, right? So his only thought, according to Dr. Ornish, was when he got home, was to get well enough so that he could execute on his plan to kill himself. Think about that. He was in such a deep despair 
that his only goal was to recover from Mono so that he could kill himself, okay? Now, he didn't know it at the time, but his entire world perspective would be changed by a party that his parents threw for a Hindu Swami that came to their house. Now, he learned a lot of different lessons as he listened carefully to this Swami, including these four. Number one, pain can help transform us. Number two, fear is not a sustainable motivator. Number three, people regret more what they didn't do. And number four, nothing can bring you happiness. It comes when we pursue a lasting sense of meaning. So let's just slow down for a second because I think all four of these lessons are phenomenal. So often when we're in pain, we don't really want to, um, we just want to do anything to get out of it, okay? The physical, mental, spiritual pain, we want to get out of it. And that suffering that we're in or that pain that we're experiencing is something we don't want any part of. But I've talked to a few people in this past week after listening to this, and there's an interesting, crazy concept that I want us to think about. And please post your comments below. And obviously, if you need help and you're in a desperate situation, seek attention. Uh, this is more about trying to understand the value of pain because it can help transform us. And there's this weird, strange thing, which we'll ex explore in more detail in future posts, of being a steward of your suffering and being like sort of a you know, understanding why or how you can use that pain to help transform yourself. That's number one. Remember, the second lesson was fear is not a sustainable motivator. All right. So if you're going to just be in fear all the time, that's not going to that's not going to keep going. You need something more than that. You can't just try to scare somebody into being a better person or making better choices. Number three, people regret more what they didn't do. Like on your deathbed, you're going to regret, likely regret more what you didn't do. And then the fourth one, I think, is a kind of a cool one. Remember, they're talking to this Hindu Swami guy, and he, and he says, nothing can bring you happiness. Now, he didn't actually explain it this way, but I started thinking about those five words. Nothing can bring you happiness. Pause for a second and think about that. Well, yeah, I think it was meant, at least at that time, in the context of that, you can only get happiness by pursuing a lasting sense of meaning. But the way I took it, as I thought about it more and more, is that you don't need anything to be happy. In other words, nothing can bring you happiness. All right, <laughs> maybe I'm a little off the rails on this one, but people post your comments or send me an email at am at dare to be vital if you think I'm crazy about this one. But I, I do think it's a very valuable thing because I do think happiness comes from within and how we spend our time, talent, and treasure. So. Let's back, let's back to Dr. Ornish. He recovered from his mononucleosis and he recovered impressively from his suicidal ideation. He then went back to school and he was thriving because of the lessons that he learned. He excelled, uh, he applied everything he learned from the Swami and he sp has spent the rest of his life doing a several things. Um, he's tried to help people make better lifestyle choices and decisions. He's published his work. He's created these lifestyle programs for heart disease and now early on onset dementia. And his life has been overflowing with massive meaning and joy. And part of what he, he was talking about when, during the conference was that he, he was at such a level of despair that when he got out of that, he realized, I don't ever want to go back there and I'm going to fill my life by taking chances and doing things because I don't want to have regrets later. So when, he, when people said he couldn't reverse heart disease with lifestyle choices or lifestyle changes, he said, okay, maybe you're right, but why don't we try? So I think the lessons learned from Dr. Ornish are not just focused on making 
better lifestyle choices and reducing your risk or reversing your risk for heart disease, I think they're also much more, much more valuable. And, and for that, I'm very grateful to have gone to that conference and learned from him. Again, you can read more about this on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. I put up a whole post about it. And the second person I'd like to highlight is Dr. Cherry, Cherry Ma. She's an expert on sleep, and there was a whole panel about sleep. And this, again, was during this conference uh, at Stanford on healthy aging. All right. And again, it's not just for older people. It could be for anybody because sleep is obviously super important. And Dr. Ma is a physician, sleep physician, an adjunct lecturer at Stanford, and a world-renowned expert. Her research um, on sleep is focused on the relationship between sleeping well and athletic performance. Uh, she also uh, works with a variety of companies, including Under Armour, has also previously served on the Nike Performance Council, and many professional teams, including the San Francisco Giants, teams in the NFL, and other Major League Baseball teams. But what Dr. Ma really taught us is that sleep impacts all aspects of our well-being. And then she broke it down into three um, challenges of superior sleep. Number one, or three components, really. Number one. Duration, quality, and timing, and each requires a di each of us really requires a different amount of total duration of sleep. Most are somewhere between seven and nine hours. Um, when when we talked a fair amount in this expert panel, there was some discrepancies about what really is quality of sleep. And the second parameter in Dr. Ma's trifecta of what you know optimal sleep is, um, and the fancy wearable devices that are all out there, uh, the, the panel was uniform in their um, measurement saying uh, uniform in their opinion of saying that they're not necessarily really giving you data that's defensible scientifically. Um, and the final part is that timing of our sleep is really important. And the more consistent we are about when we go to bed and when we rise from bed, uh, the better sl our sleep will be. And here's some suggestions that Dr. Ma had for us. And that was, again, to begin with small changes. And I think this is really valuable because sometimes people who don't sleep well um, feel bad about it and they don't really know what to do. But I think these are excellent things to consider to start. Number one, prioritize five minutes to start a regular wind down routine. That could be reading, breathing exercises, or journaling. Number two, try to get to bed 15 minutes earlier. And then number three, this is, I think, this should be, this should sort of be like an absolute is keep your phone out of your bedroom or at least turn it off or do something. You do not want to be woken up unless you absolutely have to. And uh, number four is try not to expose yourself to any blue emitting light devices, such as a tablet or a phone, 60 minutes prior to trying to go to sleep. Because that blue light kind of activates your brain and keeps you awake. So again, just try to get a regular wind down routine. Try to get to bed a little bit earlier. Keep your phone out of your bedroom and stay away from any blue light for 60 minutes. And the other part that all the panelists, and there was three expert panelists, they all agreed that shaming ourselves for not sleeping well just compounds the problem. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh my God, I don't want to know what to do, and you feel bad about it, you're only compounding the problem. So we shouldn't sleep shame ourselves, all right? Instead, we need to seek solutions from qualified you know, physicians if we're suffering from poor sleep. And then I've always wondered this, but uh, Dr. Jamie Zeitzer, who was one of the other panelists on this expert sleep panel at the Stanford Healthy Living uh, Symposium, quoted Dr. William Dement, who was the father of sleep medicine, when somebody asked, why do we sleep? And then he said this. I love this. He said, quote, the purpose of sleep is to prevent us from feeling sleepy. 
the purpose of sleep is to pre prevent us from feeling sleepy. Um, so I think the, the overall Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations of this Healthy Aging Conference is I learned a lot. And this is just two of many speakers. Um, I wish I could uh, you know, share all of it with you. Um, but I learned that lifestyle can help reverse heart disease. I didn't expect to learn about the 19-year-old Dr. Ornish who was suicidal and then figured out how to transform himself essentially with mindset and, and then has worked his entire life on a very hard problem that he wanted to solve. And obviously, this is just a reiteration of why sleep is, is paramount to our overall vitality. And after listening to the three experts uh, on, on sleep and listening to them, all three of them say that they're still not 100% sure why we sleep, I think it's an area if there's a young person out there who wants to dedicate their life, who doesn't know too much about it, maybe there's a uh, sort of a paradigm shifting perspective on why we actually spend about a third of our lives unconscious or semi-conscious. So action suggestions are focus on improving your sleep using some of the suggestions. Again, you can see all the, the details of this on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. If you work on that or if you believe uh, in, in trying to find meaning in your world from the story about Dr. Ornish, Think your future self will thank you okay you can see also further references up on online as well and we're going to finish this week's vitality explorer podcast with a a guest post um, from a medical student daniel Wilmot, uh, and he is a first year medical student at the university of indiana uh, and i'm delighted to uh, sort of paraphrase what his post was about, and that is, is faith the new fountain of youth? Three reasons why religion and spirituality matter to our vitality. Um, again, check out Vitality Explorers on Substack for further details and the references. But his post, as written, uh, reviewed several studies about the value of religion and spirituality in young adults. And here's one of the one of the papers, quote, religiosity and spirituality in the prevention and management of depression and anxiety in young people a systematic review and meta-analysis. And here are two crucial quotes from that paper. Number one, participation in religious practices may prevent, may protect, participation in religious practices may protect young people against depression. That's pretty impressive, right? Number two, interventions promoting spiritual well-being were largely effective in reducing depressive and anxiety symptoms. Wow. All right, so spirituality encompasses a sense of purpose, feeling connected to others, and a relationship with a higher power. And all of those are crucial for enhancing our mental and mental health and overall vitality. But here are three reasons, according to his post, about why religion and spirituality matter. Number one, mental health and resilience. And here's just a little quote from, from, the, from the post. Spirituality can serve as a protective factor against mental health challenges, which are increasingly prevalent in individuals age 18 to 34. So this is really important. We're looking for better ways to help uh, help that age group. Uh, the, the rates of accidental deaths, suicide and homicide have just, just gone through the roof, even pre-pandemic, through the pandemic and, and sustaining now, and improving mental health for all of us, but especially in that 18 to 34-year-old group, is, is, is amazingly important um, because the, the, the risks of dying in that, in that age group are accidental death, homicide, and suicide. So 18 to 34 year olds are way less worried appropriately about heart disease or cancer or, or neurodegenerative diseases like older people are. They're just trying to survive to their 30s or 40s, right? 
Um, and I think spirituality offers a per, you know, can, can help us with a personal sense of purpose. And that belief in a higher power can foster resilience and offer a buffer against the mental health disorders that are epidemic. The second reason why religion and spirituality actually help people in that age group is there's a reduction in risky behaviors. And so people who are in that young adult group that engage in spiritual practices like meditation or prayer or go to religious services are less likely to participate in the risky behaviors that can actually endanger their life. Okay. Um, and this can be attributed to the positive influence of the people around you, okay, or a stronger sense of self-esteem, uh, or, and I think this is important, or the purpose that comes from spiritual involvement. And because despair, absolute despair, which is like on your way to suicide, uh, is the antithesis of knowing your peak purpose. We've talked about this before on Vitality Explorers, but I think if you're into some form of religion or spirituality, there can be some support and guidance through the network uh, and that, that can decrease or di discourage people from doing things like substance abuse or other harmful activities. The cool part about this, the third advantage, is it, it can actually improve your physical health. Uh, it's not just about your mental or emotional well-being, it's, it can, can and has been linked to physical health well, um, wellness. Uh, and this has been shown to reduce the risks of a variety of illnesses, including cancer and heart disease, and better outcomes from, from even injuries. So young adults might want to not think about this, right? Or might, young adults might not prioritize religion and spirituality, but the long-term benefits appear to be significant. So here's the action suggestion is consider starting with small steps towards enhancing your spiritual health. Remember, Vitality Explorers is founded on the core concept that it's not just your physical health, your mental health, your social health, or your spiritual health. It's all four of them working in concert to enhance your vitality. And here's some specific things to consider. Number one, set a time, set aside some time every day for meditation or prayer. Number two, just reflect on what you believe in or what your values are. Number three, engage with a spiritual community by attending a religious service. Number four, join a group of people dedicated to serving your community in a meaningful way. Any one of those or all of those will enhance your spiritual well-being. And here's the bottom line. Nurturing your spiritual side is a valuable investment in your present and future health. Let me say that again. Nurturing your spiritual side is a valuable investment for your present and future health. That's not my opinion. That's based on this data. And you can look at the peer-reviewed published uh, data that's up on the Vitality Explorer um, Substack site. I cannot confirm it's the fountain of youth, but it, it is very, very powerful data that suggests that your spirituality matters to your overall um, uh, well-being. I remember our quote, sort of the paraphrased version of the quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald, vitality is both the ability to persist and start over. Check out the Vitality Explorer Substack site for further details. Please consider signing up for the uh, do you want a vibrant life? Ignite your vitality webinar. That's in conjunction with AARP. I'm going to see if I can get this out here. It's vitext, V-Y-T-E-X dot com backslash AARP, vitext, V-Y-T-E-X-T backslash AARP. Or you can look at the QR code, which will be in the show notes. Uh, I hope everybody can join us for that. That's going to be February 29th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And this week, again, we talked about igniting your vitality, that webinar that's going to be in a couple weeks, the science of healthy living, and is faith the new fountain of youth? 
I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening.